Count Dracula sleeps in this coffin, but rises every night at sunset. Chick is right. This is awful silly stuff. Hello, and welcome back to Scream 101. I'm Brennan. And I'm Sergio. And this is, we're finishing Frankenstein. I never thought we'd see the end of this franchise. Eight films later, we did it. Yes, we did do that. We saw all eight of these movies, and we had thoughts on all of them. Yeah, and there were about four films worth of Frankenstein in the, in the eight of them. Um but yes, we're here to talk about the final film in the Universal Frankenstein legacy, Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein. But first, let's do a 10-word review of a movie we watched in the past week. How does that sound? That sounds messy yet poignant. Frozen 2 <laughs> offers heartfelt fare at a reasonable temperature. Ooh. And mine is Existential Dread and Autumnal Colors Help an Enjoyably Messy Musical. Perfect. Thank you. I keep forgetting it's a musical. How could you? There is a full-on 80s music video in the middle of it for some reason. It was glorious. I, I At first, I was like, this is really kind of pushing against what I think of as a Disney musical, but then I decided to just let go and let God, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, Jonathan Groff may not be able to pull off straight, but he can pull off those high notes. He can. I think he, 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 he vocally pulls off straight and... As Christoph, I would say. Yeah. He's fine. You can't see him. He has more chemistry with uh, Kirsten Bell's Anna than he does with Leah Michelle's Leah Michelle and Glee. Yeah. Agreed. Thank you. Um, okay. So here's the plot of Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. In the first of Bud Abbott and Lou Costello's horror, v- horror vehicles for Universal Pictures, the inimitable comic duo star as railway baggage handlers in northern Florida. <laughs> when a pair of crates belonging to a House of Horrors museum are mishandled by Wilbur, Costello, the museum's director, Mr. McDougal, Frank Ferguson, demands that they de- deliver them personally so that they can be inspected for insurance purposes. But Lou's friend Chick, Bud Abbott, has grave suspicion- suspicions. Suspicions? Suspicions. Um, that completely ignores the fact that the Wolfman's in this movie. Um, he's running around trying to warn about the shipments of Frankenstein and the Dracula being real. Mm-hmm. And then they all do a bunch of nothing for about an hour and 20 minutes. Yep. That tracks. Okay. So Facts. we rate all of our movies out of five on scariness, campiness, effects, and quality. What's your scariness score, Sergio? Five. Yeah. Any movie set in Florida is a nightmare. <laughs> I mean, this Florida. Maybe the most accurate film to be set in Florida other than Crawl. Yeah. Okay, continue. Oh, okay. Is that I mean, was your real scariness score? I mean, real talk, it's like a one. But uh-huh. like, anything set in Florida is kind of frightening. Florida is just a weird place. True. Um, but my 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 scariness score is also one out of five. Uh, you know. Like, it, was, it was a joke. I know. Yeah. What? No, I'm saying like, um, go ahead. You're saying it's a comedy? So yeah, it's not the funny? movie's a comedy. I mean, it's not scary? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's not, that's you know, they're not always mutually exclusive, but in this case, they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's a very wacky and sticky comedy. Um, and and still, Frank, the, maybe the scariest thing is conceptual. It's that Frankenstein is still barely in it. Like, I we have learned at this point not to expect that Frankenstein's going to be a major role, even if it's 
house of Frankenstein, which is where he lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really thought that Abbott and Stella would spend more time meeting Frankenstein in this movie. <laughs> I was horribly missold on that one. Yeah, I agree. The title is Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, not Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, meet Dracula, meet the Wolfman. No, they mostly meet Dracula. They hang out with Dracula as played by Bela Lugosi in the only other time he played Dracula. Mm-hmm. Like he, he did not, you know, stick around in that franchise. Um, so it should have been Bel- uh, Abbott and Costello meet Dracula. Cause that's still cool. Yeah. Forgive my like dumb non-film person. Okay. Uh, brain, but how big were Abbott and Costello? Would they have been like, you know, getting to work with Seth Rogen? Would they have been like, you know, working with Chris Farley? Like who were they? They were extremely big about three to five years before this film came out. Oh. Um, so their star was starting to wane at the point that they made this movie. Um, maybe only three years. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were huge. Mm-hmm. Um, they were like, I mean, who even, we have, our culture is so different at this point that there's no like monoculture as to things that people really like. Um, but I'd say they're like, uh, like friends. Like his biggest friends? Honestly, probably. Although it, it pains me to say. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were a phenomenon. Okay. And f- phenomenon enough that the comedy bit that you do not remember that I mentioned, um, who's on first, that is still a very famous comedy bit. And not a lot of comedy from this period has, you know, stayed in the mainstream for as long as that bit has. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they have some staying power. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes. So yeah, Frankenstein's still barely in it. Poor Glenn Strange returning for, I believe the third time as the Frankenstein monster, Mm -hmm. still doing absolutely nothing. Mostly asleep during the movie. Hey, he was very tall in this movie. Let's give him credit where credit's due. He sure was. Um, but what's your campiness score? Four. Great. The movie was sufficiently campy in that, uh, I don't know their names because they are Abbott and Costello in real life. Yes. But their characters in this movie were not Abbott and Costello. Uh, Wilbur and Chick. Yeah. Wilbur and Chick. Wilbur was the jokester. Yes. And then Chick was the straight man or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Wilbur's bit was like it was tired, but it was funny. Did you actually enjoy it? No. No. Okay. But you're aware it was meant to be funny. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, the thing about this movie, and I'm giving it a two out of five on campiness, which can be, you know, swapped out with funniness. Mm -hmm. Like, look, I don't want to just rag on an old movie for being old. The rhythms of comedy are very different in different Mm -hmm. decades, Mm -hmm. and they tend to only speed up. Mm -hmm. Um, but I feel like I can usually put on my, my old timey hat and be like, oh, I get this. I get that this was funny Mm -hmm. or I get that this was scary. Mm -hmm. And it, it just did not translate to me in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, the core joke of the movie is that Costello is being scared by things. Um, and by the time that Abbott comes back to see like what he's being scared by, it's not there anymore. So he looks crazy. Yeah. Um, by the seventh, the 17th time that this happens at about the about minute five, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's a little exhausting. Um, and that's kind of the only joke that the movie leans on. There, mm-hmm. there are a couple solid jokes that I think I have written down. So hopefully I don't, remember to share them um but literally 
the first scene with Dracula is Dracula slightly opens the coffin. Costello freaks out. Abbott runs back into the room. And that repeats literally seven or eight times. Yeah. And I was worried that it would just be the rest of the movie because <laughs> it just wouldn't stop. Yeah. And it's so painfully long, long and slow and unfunny. It's like when family guy thinks that they're being funny by doing the like thing mm-hmm. for two full minutes. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it's brutal. Diminishing returns yeah. very quickly. I agree with you. I mean, I was a fan of the old Scooby-Doo cartoons as a kid. And I feel like those uh-huh. are very much of the same type of humor in which something like slightly creepy happens. And then like Scooby's aware of it and then uh-huh. maybe Shaggy, but nobody else is. And then like we have to see them kind of get freaked out and then find out that they're right at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually like we find out who the killer is. Um, if it weren't for those meddling kids. Um, and that's kind of what this movie is too. Yeah. And uh, I mean, and Scooby-Doo is funny though. Like most of the time. Um, it's just, you know, different strokes. Well, yeah, it's funny, but at the same time, like, I was a dumb kid. Mm. I am a genius adult now, you know. My humor has evolved. Yes, you're right. Um, I, I think the problem for me is that maybe this works better in a cartoon like Scooby-Doo. Um, because oh, it, yeah. in a, in a live-action film with characters that we've spent a lot of time with over the past well, a couple months for us, mm-hmm. but year like decade mm-hmm. for the people who are fans of Universal mm-hmm. Horror at the time, um, the the motivation behind what makes the gags quote unquote funny just makes no sense. Like the idea of like why why does Dracula keep opening his coffin and closing it again? What is he accomplishing by getting out of his coffin mm-hmm. so that when Costello opens it he's not there and then getting back in? Uh, unless he's playing a prank on Costello, what what is he doing? What is Dracula trying to You're accomplish? You're too intense for this movie, <laughs> homie. You need to like dial it back a little bit. Like the way with which you're speaking with such like, you know, eloquence and direction and you're gesturing violently right now, cutting into the air as if the ghosts of Abbott and Costello were in this room listening in on us. Mm. Like, do chill. Like this was an Abbott and Costello movie. Frankenstein was just garnish. No, it's just He's been garnish in the past four movies. No, but no, but Dracula and Frankenstein. It just it makes no sense. Like, just there is not a reliable foundation upon which the gags are being laid. Mm-hmm. Like, because there's another another sequence which is almost exactly the same, and almost forty five minutes later in the movie, um, where there's a rotating wall, and every time Abbott Costello rotate th- or Abbott Abbott rotates through the wall, <laughs> like the monsters also rotate, so he never sees them, mm-hmm. but Costello keeps seeing them wherever he goes alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so he. Like they're in the stairwell and they're going into the secret cave. So when they do that, the monsters are out in the stairwell. Um, Frankenstein's holding a coffin. And so like when Costello goes back out in the stairwell, Frankenstein is downstairs holding the coffin and Dracula's upstairs and they're like wandering around. Mm -hmm. But then when Abbott comes back out, the monsters switch back. So I'm like, wait, if they were heading down and upstairs, why did they decide, oh, let's go back into the cave where we started. Mm -hmm. And it just, it's a lot of back and forth for a whole lot of no payoff. Mm-hmm. It, it infuriated me. <laughs> Do you think this movie was kind of like a precursor to the sixth sense in which the kid who everyone thought was crazy was really genius? Much like Abbott is also genius. Costello. Costello is also genius. I wouldn't say he was genius. I would just say he is aware of the monsters that he can see with his eyes. Yeah, see? He was proved to be right in the end, much mm-hmm. like the kid from the sixth sense. Yeah, and... um. Oh man, and maybe 
Look, I, I wouldn't say that Scooby-Doo has a better track record with gender without, you know, actually taking a look back at it. But the Scooby-Doo-ness, the, I need to restart this whole thing. Yeah. But just the women in this movie are, like, conniving, evil, like, wretches who use their sexuality to trick Costello and then turn into vampires. Um, it's just, it's it's a sexist movie is what I'm saying. That was a really bizarre and kind of, and really unexpected, too. You know, this is the first movie we get Lady Vampires or whatever. Um, is it? No, I mean Dracula is always always be turning ladies into vampires. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we actually ever saw them be evil though, did we? Like the Brides of Dracula, we I mean we weren't watching Dracula movies for this marathon. Yeah, but we've seen Dracula do his thing before, mm-hmm. and he does like to turn ladies into vampires. Yeah. Um, but just the the way that both women who like they couldn't possibly be interested in Costello for real reasons because oh no he's overweight mm-hmm. um i don't know yeah it, look i'm really not trying to judge the comedy from like a you know cancel culture standpoint because that's not going to get us anywhere this is 1948 mm-hmm. um i'm really trying to approach it on its own terms i just don't like it mm-hmm. um what else the do you got? chemistry was off Fair enough. Yeah. Um, what else do I got for comedy? Yeah. Uh, I was annoyed that Costello was like a union man and portrayed to be incompetent. Unions made this country strong, good sir. See, we both have political reasons to dislike this movie. Yeah. Um, also, there the the uh, the evil doctor lady who's trying to resurrect Frankenstein and somehow part of her plan involves her tricking Costello into thinking they're dating. Mm-hmm. Um, even before she knows that he's in charge of these, these packages. That was weird. Yeah. That was strange. Um, but she lives in a castle on an Island in Florida. Yeah. Which you think that would be like a big red flag, you know? Yeah. It's like, Oh, my girlfriend lives in look. The only castle in Florida that I know of is in Disney world. Yeah. So she lives in Disney world. <laughs> this is a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like the closing joke of how they're like, oh, we survived tangling with all three of these monsters. Thank God we never have to deal with this again. And then a voice starts talking to them and it turns out the invisible man is on their boat with them. That was good. That was funny. That was funny. I was like, oh, okay. A little bit too little too late. But it was, you know what? Hey, you know, you're keeping you're keeping in tone with the rest of this movie. Yeah, I liked that. Should we move on to effects? Sure. Okay. I'm just thinking. You seem I have, confused. No, I just think about like what effects were there, um, and I give it a three oh, because okay. we actually saw like a decent animated bat transformation, which I mean, was neat. I wouldn't say it was realistic because it literally no, it was animation. Yeah, like literally, the bat turns into a cartoon that transforms into Bella, a cartoon of Bella Lugosi that then fades into a real Lugosi. Mm-hmm. But I like the kind of brazenness. In like style stylization of that, mm-hmm. like I really I did like that too. Yeah, they leaned into it and they used it multiple times, mm. and it was one of my favorite scenes when Bella Lugosi turns into a bat, and then the Wolfman grabs <laughs> the bat and then jumps into the and into the ocean, <laughs> into the Atlantic. The Wolfman is always doing the most ridiculous thing. <laughs> yeah, um, that was great. You're all right. I think I'm giving it two out of five still. Um, because it wasn't, it's not like convincing, but no. I liked that that's how it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was also, what else do we got? Oh, uh, there's a part where, um, the vampire lady is trying to hypnotize Costello and he can see the little bats flapping in her eyes. 
which is a pretty cool superimposition. I concur. Thank you. It was very cool because I remember seeing that scene and being like, oh, there are little bats in there. That's a first. Yeah. That must have been very difficult to do. Kudos to whoever had to line up those like three pieces of film. Mm Mm-hmm. What else was good in this movie? I mean, Frankenstein was really tall, you know. He was tall, but the, I don't. Not think everyone can pull that off. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we all saw that picture of Robert De Niro's giant platform shoes when he was shooting The Irishman. Yeah. See, and that dude, what's his name? Who? The Frankenstein. Glenn Strange. Glenn Strange just did it all. It's all natural, baby. Yeah. Um, Other effects. I think that's kind of it, right? I mean, like the Wolfman. Still looks like the Wolfman, so yeah, that's good. He the transformation is the same. It's nothing new. Yeah, but also his like costume has not degraded to the point that I thought it might. Like in a series of progressively cheaper sequels, oh. like the makeup still looks, you know, oh decent, this decent, which uh-huh. is good. They didn't put like a mask on him in here, like being, hey, just be scary. Yeah, no, well, look, I'm saying like a lot of late sequels in horror franchises really screw up the makeup. Um, like even Michael Myers's mask gets a real crazy, like by H2O point mm-hmm. where he just has like, um, Bozo the clown hair basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that the Wolfman still looks like the Wolfman is nothing to shake a stick at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm, what else? Do you, are there any other effects? Did we bleed this well dry? I think we did. Okay. Let's move on to overall quality score, Brennan. Let's do What'd it. What'd you give it? I'm giving it a two out of five. I'm giving it a one out of five fair it this was a really rough watch i was really looking forward to it because i've heard great things that it's like you know a seminal horror comedy but oh this was not for me it was Mm -hmm. not doing it Mm -hmm. i think the problem with this movie is probably what makes it such a good movie to fans of abbott and costello is it is an abbott and costello slapstick comedy film yeah if you like those two dudes doing their thing one man being an idiot and one man just being a friend to the village idiot mm-hmm. you know you're gonna love this movie uh if you're a fan of frankenstein which i guess neither of us are but we've been watching these movies for him so you've been on the lookout for him mm. you look know. I, I like the first several frankenstein movies mm-hmm. i mean would you say that you're a fan of frankenstein I mean, not necessarily. Yeah, see? So my statement stands. Um, uh, you know, you, we're not just, we're not going to be fans of this film. Continue, Brennan. Yeah, I just, well, <laughs> my my comedy taste does not extend very far into that kind of broad, sticky, like almost vaudevillian style. Beautiful uh, word. Thank you. Um, that Abbott Costello trade in. Um, so... I don't know. Like, I hope I'm not being unfair to them. And I have tried to make it clear. This is my perspective because comedy is so subjective. Um, But this movie follows the famous comedy rule of 17s, which is that the 17th time you do something, it'll be funny. Eventually Mm -hmm. Uh, doesn't work for me. Um, And also just Costello's shtick. Just, it just tires me. Mm -hmm. I am tired. Like there's a lady holding a dog and he like just starts yapping at the dog. And I'm like, ha, this is not, this is not anything. Why mm-hmm. are you doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's that it, it's, it's a comedy style that already doesn't appeal to me in an editing style that completely embalms it. Mm-hmm. Like it's very slow. It's very methodical. 
and it's spending a lot of time with something I didn't really like a lot in the first place. Do you think because we had trouble figuring out what everybody's kind of like motivations were? Do you mm. think if that had been like fleshed out to be like a better narrative, um, it would have been better? Yeah, I think. Look, I could have stomached more of the like, oh no, all the bags fall on him, or like, you know, him being frightened and, and seeming crazy because they can't see it or whatever. I could have stomached that if it was in service of a narrative that actually worked. Mm-hmm. But this narrative is so meandering. Mm-hmm. There's so many moving parts. Why did we need. These two women, because one of them is like an insurance adjuster and one of them is an evil doctor. Mm-hmm. And then the evil doctor has like a professor friend who factors in somehow. Why is he And he, he was handsome. He, he needed to be handsome. there. He was handsome. You're right. Um, but there's just, and then there's um, Mr. McBoogans or whatever his name is, who's in Ooh. charge of the House of Horrors. Oh, him, um, yeah. Who like kind of bookends the thing a little bit and his insurance guy. And it's. If this there was, was a lot of moving parts. Yeah. If this was an actual out-and-out out farce, mm-hmm. I think it would be hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like, if we spent more time in the castle slamming doors and stuff. Um, but we just we keep changing location. We keep changing focus. And it's, it's very messy. Mm-hmm. I think it was... Oh, like, I stand by my statement. Like, I think it was okay as, like, a comedy film if you're fans of those kinds of people. Um, because I could definitely see this kind of movie... It reminds me a lot of the Three Stooges remake that came out years ago. Did you see that? Parts of it. Okay. I was probably wasted. I think I was wasted when I saw it. Sure. Um, but I remember being like, okay, this just makes sense. You know, you don't question things <laughs> in an inebriated state. Um, and I'm not saying that people watched this movie inebriated back in the day, although I'm sure there were several who did. Um, but I mean, it's when just was Prohibition? It might have been during that. What it? No. Actually, it's probably later than that. Yeah. Um, I'm bad at dates. <laughs> very. Um, so I think it's enjoyable enough if you like slapstick humor. Yeah, I keep going back to that point. I'm trying to defend the movie on some kind of merit. Yeah, look, and look, I, I don't like treasure at all, but I feel like it does have, I feel like it does that thing well, because I can see my, like, my dad loves slapstick humor and my brother mm-hmm. loves it too. And I could see them enjoying this movie. Okay. I myself, who am a little bit more cerebral. Uh, <laughs> who loves movies such as Pineapple Express? Oh my god! You know the height of comedy. Um, I was trying to think of something really dumb. Uh, you but, accomplished that. Well, think of something dumb that I love that's funny. Uh, See, your it's hard joke. to think of no, that on the your, top of your own jokes. That's rude. <laughs> um, but exactly, um, like I don't know. It's just the thing where you know, like I love dumb humor. I just don't love this type of dumb humor. You know, yeah. I can see American Pie, Bandcamp, Eight, or whatever. Um, and we have, we have, and we love those movies. Uh, the spinoffs, not so much. They were fun, um, but this movie in particular was just not my cup of tea. So yeah. I am returning it to sender. Ooh, sure. I am calling the manager on this cup of tea. Oh my god! Okay, sure. There was a hair in it. Yes. Um. But no, you're right. Um, I mean, I was scrolling through Letterboxd to see what my friends rated this movie, and quite a few of them gave it five stars, which I do think that the coveted five-star rating is mostly reserved for things that people watched when they were kids. <laughs> um, Not true. Okay, no. Sergio, you operate your Letterboxd on a completely higher level than everybody who's ever who's ever owned a Letterboxd. Yeah. Um, but I think that it must come from that. 
But also, I'm not saying that people who like this movie are wrong. Like, there are a lot of them out there, and I'm in the minority, so clearly there's something I'm not getting out of it that I wish I was. Mm-hmm. Um, On that note about my letterbox ratings, uh-huh. I give everything five stars if I have enjoyed it to a certain degree because I feel like, who am I to judge the creators on this, you know? Uh-huh. I am but a lowly person and these people fucking make art. Yeah. Um, but for Frankenstein, sorry, but Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein, I gave that shit like, what, two and a half stars? Yeah, you did. Because I was that annoyed with this movie. Yeah, well, that, that is a, that's something yeah, about That's a brutal movie. score for you. Um, okay, I think that is going to wrap up that discussion, much like The Mummy, who Abbott and Costello would meet later. <laughs> um, but anyway, so we are going to rank all of the Frankenstein movies, but first, here's how you can get in touch with the show. Find us on Twitter at Scream101Pod. Email us at Scream101Podcast at gmail.com. Subscribe, rate, and review. Our theme song is by Pseudo Echo. It's called A Beat For You. Mm. Um, and, Sergio, the moment has come. We're going to rank all eight Frankenstein movies from the Frankenstein Legacy Collection, um, starting for, at number eight. For those of you who have been listening to this podcast and like have been tracking what I say, please forgive me because I don't know what I say. <laughs> and so these ratings are don't match up with my true feelings after these films, but I've also done my best to forget them. So... Yeah, I mean, and also, look, this is a franchise marathon that we started in April. Mm-hmm. I was scrolling through my letterbox, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that was a long time ago. Um, so, yeah, the memories are shaky at mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah, one, three, and eight, I'm fairly confident in. Okay. The rest um, are just pretty interchangeable. Sure. So, you know, don't at me is what I'm saying. Okay. Not that anybody has. People haven't been adding me lately. You know what? Go ahead and at me. All <laughs> at right. Sergio Steinbliss. All right, so number eight. Abbott and Costello meet the Wolfman. That's not a movie. So (laughs) I think I did that on purpose because that's who they meet. They don't meet fucking Frankenstein. They meet the Wolfman. You did not do that on purpose. Yeah, I did. I did that on purpose. It's written down that way. Well, no, I'm sure you wrote it down that way, but I don't think that was on purpose. I did it on purpose. (laughs) Okay. Well, my number eight is uh, actually not this one. It is House of Dracula, which we watched last month, and I just thought was a complete and utter mess. Mm-hmm. Um, it c- could have been more fun than it was. I had some fun campy moments, but it just, it was, it was not great. Okay. My number seven is house of Dracula. Hey, which I don't remember enough to say anything negative about it. Um, that one had the lady hunchback. It had, um, Oh, the, she was lovely. She was lovely. I did like her. Mm-hmm. Um, she was not the reason I made it so low. Mm-hmm. Um, the Wolfman like threw himself off a cliff and the doctor made a whole bizarre pulley system to lower himself down. This was the one that involved that really intricate set, right? I don't know. All right. Who cares what you're talking about? Anyways, number um, seven, my number seven is Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Um, which just, is an even bigger disappointment than Abbott Costello meets Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Um, Frankenstein and the Wolfman interact for about 30 seconds. Um, yeah, because the Wolfman mostly interacts with, like, Dracula, right? Yeah. No, the Wolfman... No, the Dracula's not in this one. Okay. Um, the Wolfman is just trying to cure himself, and there's, like, a doctor kind of following him around. It's mainly Wolfman 2 is what is this Is this the one is. with um, the Wolfman and that, like, gypsy lady? No. That one's House of Frankenstein then? Yes. Okay. Or the Gypsy Lady and the Hunchback. Uh-huh. There is a Gypsy Lady in this one, but she's like an older lady. Okay. It's a whole thing. There's a Gypsy Lady and then the Hunchback and then D- Dracula. 
Yes. For like a brief. For 15 seconds. Yeah, yeah. For 20 minutes for some reason. Yeah. So anyway, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. It's mainly Wolfman movie. I don't love the Wolfman as presented in these Wolfman sequels because he's mm-hmm. just very whiny. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the one where Bella Lugosi steps into the role of Frankenstein and makes a complete hash of it. It's mm-hmm. so cartoonish and bizarre. Okay. Um, my number six is Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Hey. For the reasons that we just laid out. Yeah. And my number six is Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Um, because I put that one a little higher because it, it at least managed the task of assembling the Wolfman and Dracula and Frankenstein in a way that they are major factors in the plot. Not as much Frankenstein, but like we got a Bella Lugosi Dracula. We've got the wolf. Like there are actual things that are recognizable happening. Yeah. Features of a film were in there. Yeah. Um, my number five, right? Is that what we're on? Yep. Uh, is House of Frankenstein because I did love that gypsy lady. Yeah. That one was a pretty good story, I would say. That one was the And I would like the... rewatch it. Yeah. Yeah. That That is a fun mashup one. Mm-hmm. My number five is actually a ghost of Frankenstein um, because that was the weakest of the four like opening like classier ones before mm-hmm. they started like throwing all the monsters together. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what was in Ghost of Frankenstein because I put that one as my number two. Oh, my. You don't even remember. I think um, I might have been confusing it with Son of Frankenstein. Maybe. Ghost of Frankenstein was the one where it was the second one with Bela Lugosi's Igor. Um, that's the one with the brain musical chairs where the doctor was like, I'm going to take the brain out of my doctor friend and put it in Frankenstein. That was so and weird. Then, Although it was kind of fun. That doctor was fun. Yeah. Or maybe I'm thinking of, I think the brain musical chairs is in also in House of Frankenstein. Because he's going to take the brain out of a security guard and put it into the Wolfman and all of this stuff. Yeah, and he couldn't be bothered to help out um, the Hunchback because he needed to do the Frank Man- Frankenstein thing yes, first. Yes, yes. So which one was Ghost of Frankenstein then? No, Ghost of Frankenstein is Igor ends up with his brain in Frankenstein's body. Um, and it was just it was just the weakest of the like quote-unquote good ones. Okay, so I'll put my number four as Ghost of Frankenstein sure. then. Because... I have trouble recalling it, and I remember enjoying Sun more, so that's getting bumped up. Cool. Uh, my number four is House of Frankenstein, because Karloff is back, not as Frankenstein's monster for mm-hmm. some reason, mm-hmm. um, but he plays a really fun mad scientist doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, I do enjoy the frivolity of having Dracula show up as John Carradine, John mm-hmm. Carradine for 15 minutes, only to die in his own little baby sequel. <laughs> and it's like, why are you here? And that's the one where like the confluence of kind of campiness is really fun and at its peak. Mm-hmm. Agreed. My number three is classic Frankenstein. Oh, the original 1931. Yeah, the original one. Um, it was good. It was solid. Um, I remember kind of maybe feeling a little bored by it, uh-huh. but the effects were decent. The yes. story was fine and yes. it was very tight. Um, I will say that, you know, after all of these movies, you got to love a script that's really tight and keeps everything, you know, in place. Yes. And look, we love James Whale, gay icon. Uh, my number three is Son of Frankenstein. This is where we get to meet Igor and his clarinet. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, we forgot about that. Oh, I yeah. forgot about that. Glorious moments. And then the and franchise uh, forgot about that, too. Yeah, true. But and then uh, Son of Frankenstein also has those fabulous sets. Um, and flowing dresses. Yes, it was, it's it's a sumptuous movie. Mm-hmm. So now Frankenstein is my number two. I remember Great. digging the movie. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I remember digging it more than Ghost of Frankenstein. Now, <laughs> um, yes, this conversation has really brought back the memories. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah. Great. 
my my number two is the original Frankenstein, which okay. um, obviously I think is really good. I still mm-hmm. think about that shot with um, him kind of reaching up toward the light, towards a like representing a god that is rejecting him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know obviously still not my favorite of them, but I respect it a lot. All right, my number one, Bride of Frankenstein. <gasps> Me too. Yay! Is it because this is where he says it's alive? It's alive. I mean, he says that is said in the first and the second one. I know, but this one's the first time he said it about a woman. You're so right. Gender, it's equality. Yeah, no, I mean, Bride of Frankenstein, it's the gay one with Dr. Pretorius. It's um, Elsa Lanchester's performance is just so good as a Bride of Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. And her look is so good. Her look is iconic. Yeah, and obviously all of these movies, whatever they promise is only ever in the last three minutes of the movie. Yeah, that's <laughs> been very depressing. Yeah. Um, but Bride of Frankenstein, I think the rest of the movie is still worth it mm-hmm. <laughs> on top of everything. Mm-hmm. That's been really depressing because I remember for the initial Frankenstein movie, I think I was like, I gave it a more healthy score than it deserves because I was like, oh, you know, that was the convention of the time was, you know, the ending would be just in the last five pages of a book. Uh-huh. You know, you'd have this build up and then just, just a slight denouement. Um, but but then they just all kind of have been that way. And that's yeah. just been very depressing. That's true. No, but but Bride of Frankenstein, even though the bride isn't a major part of it, Frankenstein is. Mm-hmm. Or the, the monster is. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that part where he hangs out with the blind hermit that makes me cry. Um, and then there's like the little dancing homunculuses in the jars. Like mm-hmm. the really tiny people. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot going on in that movie. Mm-hmm. It's fun. It's great. All right. Yeah. Anyway, that that's that. Are you happy we don't have to do another one of these? I am happy. Um, I think, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, don't cry because it's over. Cry because you did the journey right or something. <laughs> cry because you had to watch eight movies. Yeah. What's that idiom or that saying? Um, don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. Yeah, that's how I'm feeling. You know, I, have, I get to say that I've seen all the Frankenstein movies. Save for the remakes. Well, there's, there, there's 800 other Frankenstein movies. Yeah. Um, but these are the important ones. <laughs> is it? Because I think I, Frankenstein, is also important. Look, if you try to bully me into watching this, you will deserve what you get when we watch it. <laughs> Look, it promises to be entertaining. Aaron Eckhart has abs, and Daniel Radcliffe is there for some reason. No, Daniel Radcliffe is in Victor Frankenstein with James McAvoy. The fuck is the difference? They're different movies. I Frankenstein is about Frankenstein battling fucking angels or something. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And Victor Frankenstein is like, oh, you thought you knew the story, but this is Igor's perspective. Honestly, I'm down for both of them. My God, we we can't. We can't. Maybe maybe in for like our anniversary in July or something, we'll just do like more random offshoots of frankenstein but yeah i'm kind of digging this actually this okay. idea right here this a seed has been planted well look if we do that we have to do young frankenstein because that movie is classic yeah okay. we probably it is also very like borscht belty in the comedy i i hear so maybe we won't like it but you never know yeah and we've been watching a bunch of these movies anyway so and we intend on watching more 
like the gods and monsters movie you want to watch. I do want to watch that. And then like my favorite Igor. Uh So, you know, we're just going to keep on chugging out Frankenstein. Frankenstein is the official third in our relationship. Yeah. yeah, We're the new, uh, new Frankenstein podcast. Scream 101. Yes. Frankenstein, our living boy. Anyway, we'll, we'll just see about that. Um, but as for next week, we're actually, we are going to be starting a brand new little marathon. Uh, just in time for the holidays, we're going to be watching Gremlins next week, which I'm really excited about. I loved this movie as a kid, and I have not seen it in probably at least a decade, and I'm so ready. Yeah, I'm really excited, too. Gremlins is also a feature that is very close to my heart. Yeah. It's one of the few 80s movies that I've been able to stomach. Um, <laughs> Gizmo is the original, the OG Baby Yoda. <laughs> yeah, and Gremlins, you know, is one of those movies, much like Frankenstein, that has a close rela- thing in our relationship, you know? Sure. Okay, so until next week, good luck on your journey. And stay gold, everybody. Bye. Bye. This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart.